this is great. The only DJ crazy enough to tattoo Jackie Brown on his ass. Hey, 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 this is Michael Mann, and I ride with extended clip. Like Adam 22's podcast, where like people like fuck fucks. Fox. They, they fuck Wait, his what? wife. And then we what happens sex. on this? The guy from No Jumper? No. It's oh, yeah. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a, a podcast with his wife where they interview a porn star and then they both fuck her. That sounds like the opposite of what I would want to do with my wife. <laughs> well, you know. Dude, that, hey, that's why you and I don't hang anymore. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I moved to the East Coast because Rob sent me. He kept. He used to send me Howard Stern clips, and then he started sending me Adam Twenty Two <laughs> podcast clips, and I was like, "Dude, I cannot watch them." Fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. The Arden Sports podcast sounds great, but this guy, he's on the money with something. <laughs> Here's an idea for another podcast. <laughs> well, I think a third podcast might actually cause me to no longer have a wife, so I don't think it would really. <laughs> yeah, I don't really think the the process could set out. Then I would have to find a new one, and then it just the whole podcast doesn't work. It's extended clip. I am one of your hosts, Eddie Averill. I'm Malcolm Baum. I'm JT White. And joining us. All the way from sunny Los Angeles, where we used to do the show. Our old friend, he's been on the show as much as anybody else. I'm giving him a boxing-style intro. It's turning into more of a wrestling intro. <laughs> he's coming in hot tonight. Uh, it's Rob Franco. What's up, dude? Hey, now. What up? <laughs> I want to go Pat McAfee. I got to like get my sleeves up, go Eddie Mac mode. You know, Pat McAfee's deal with ESPN is just like... Like, I'm trying to get that money. So, like, Rob, what do you think about the vaccine? <laughs> this is now the, the second time COVID things have been brought up. Because when I answered the call, JT asked me if I had COVID. Because for the listeners, if you can't tell, I'm sick. And, and JT asked me if I had COVID. And to him, I said, you know. If you never test, you never have it. <laughs> well, we're both sick so right I don't now. Know. We're both we're both struggling through it. What do, what do you have right now? You have like a cold kind of thing. I got something my fucking bitch gave me. I don't know. Well, I I am <laughs> suffering from being very sleepy. Um, I'm also I, suffering. I'm, from I'm just success. I'm just stuffed up and sick of the bullshit. You know what I'm talking about? No, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, for people like me who are allergic to the bullshit, allergy season has been a nightmare this year. Um, but we are here on episode 251 of the clip to do something Ooh. we've never done before. We are going back to a film that we've already done an episode because. The best kind of films are the ones that you watch over and over, and it's not just that you, they, the films grow on you, it's that you grow alongside the films. Films that you watch year after year, or maybe even once every five years, you check in like an old friend, and maybe it's an old friend who you had a very like formative experience with as a kid, and you're not going to hang out with them all the time, but there's a bond that's never going to break, and you grow old with the person, and... Uh, we're talking about Grown Ups 2 for the second time on Extended Clip today, and I really think Grown Ups 2 falls into that category. Uh, 
when we did an episode on it a long time ago, maybe three and a half, four years ago when we first started the podcast. Yeah, it was like 2019, I think. That's coming up on four years. God damn. Um, back, when li- back when life was still good, you know what I'm talking about? Four <laughs> years is like a lifetime. Someone said that earlier this year, and uh, I... Had a, had a competent president in office. <laughs> <laughs> the economy was good. Now, yeah. now uh, The economy is good. Now I'm broke. But- now look at us. Yeah. yeah it was weird. You know, I didn't like the guy, but when Trump was in office, no COVID. Then you have Biden, and then you have all this COVID stuff. Where did it come it's, from? Yeah, I don't weird. know. Not sure I'm remembering the timeline right. Uh, regardless. <laughs> no, I think you're good. Uh, speaking of not remembering timeline right. So that was probably the second time I watched it after seeing it in theaters and not really liking it at the time because it was like, you know, I went to the theater with my mom and my sister the day Grown Ups 2 came out. And I was like, yeah, it's an obligation. I'm going to see my old buddy Adam Sandler no matter what when he puts a movie out. But I was like, this is kind of whatever. It's lazy and low stakes and not really gripping me. And then when I went back to it, I was like, oh, wait, that's why it's good. This is one of the ultimate hangout films, uh, especially of the 21st century. I don't know if there's a better American hangout comedy. If you think about the faults of the Adam Sandler movies, especially late in his career, that they lack dramatic thrust and realism, and they feel like just an excuse for him and his friends to go on vacation and get huge paychecks and exploit Sony and then later Netflix... This is the film that answers that question with a big grin and a nod. Yes, it is. And that's why it's art. And that's why these guys who are, as a whole, maybe an average of like B, B plus, maybe even B minus screen presences, you know, like overall outside of their Sandler work, you know, Mm -hmm. these guys, it's like the kings of comedy for the Sandlerverse, but they're not like fucking all stars, really. Uh, They're good. And uh, so the kings of being guys. Exactly. But when you get all of them in the bus and the metaphor begins, the metaphor of the the school bus of friendship, where you're literally just driving around town, picking up your homies in a stolen school bus, getting fucked up and making jokes about each other. It's just like that is the most perfect hangout cinema possible to me. Uh, I, I cannot say enough about the vibes of that first half, like from the school bus to the Kmart, those two sequences <laughs> back to back just like absolutely destroy me. Every beat is so low stakes, but so funny. And it's mainly funny because these are guys we've watched in movies for 25 years, pretty much playing themselves. Beautifully put. I feel like this time around, I was just, uh, it's funny reflecting on the rewatch and time itself. Mm -hmm. Like uh, the first time I saw this was in 2019 when we covered it for the podcast. And it's just funny to see now that I've built out like, the Sandler filmography, how I went in skeptical, but like, I don't know, with an open heart and an open mind. And just now uh, I showed it to Nico for the first time because we had just watched uh, Jack and Jill together recently and he was totally there for Jack and Jill. And I was like, well, buddy, Grown Ups <laughs> 2 is going to knock your socks off. And it was fun sharing a movie that like, I've rewatched like at least like maybe three uh, like three times and have grown such an affection for and like watch my relationship to Sandler's work change over time to bring that uh, to a dear friend and have him uh, engage with it and as well and love it. And it's just like, I don't know, it's such a, a fun movie 
that like just the text is about friendship and family and then there is that like heavily metatextual element of just the dudes hanging out having yeah. a great time and uh, you can see that in elements of the craft that I feel like again like there there's the lazy critique whatever but like there are moments this time around I really noticed um, in some of the stuff uh, with Stone Cold and uh, Sandler, mm -hmm. you can see both of them like kind of break. I feel like it happens with Sandler like a few times. Mm -hmm. Like he's like always kind of on the verge of a laugh or like a smile or giggle. That's like I like. I mean, again, it's like what is the character that he's playing mm -hmm. there? Just the loosest version of a guy that's himself. But I don't know. All those things just like they add to this fun, like affectionate quality of the movie. It's just like the ultimate. They were having a great time when they were making this movie. <laughs> well, and I think they were having a great time is usually an awful thing to say positively about a movie. But this is one of the rare examples where it seems like the cast chemistry is truly built out of them having a good time. Yeah. And that's why yeah. it works so well. Absolutely. Uh, Rob. As our guest yeah. of honor, well, what's your Grown Ups 2 history? Did you see it in theaters? Have you been watching it over the not. years? I did not. Um, I, prob I probably talked about this on the pod before, but like my relationship with Sandler was like, I, I loved those movies as a kid, and then you kind of get snobby in high school, and you're like, I'm better than that. And, you, and then, But then you, like, you watch Punch Drunk Club, and you're like, oh, so he can act. And then, then you get even older and then you're like, Oh, I'm not better than this. This is still the shit. And uh Grown Ups Two is one that I kinda missed uh among like amid being a, a piece of shit. And then I think I watched it for the first time uh when I was home uh twenty twenty for COVID shit. Oh, okay. That's a and good time. I, I mean just, that probably made you sad, like miss your friends and stuff. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Um, but I was also like, this is the best movie ever. It was just the fucking shit. It's, it's basically dazed and confused for adults. Yeah. The best, it's the best like pro suburban movie ever. It's like a movie about like <laughs> yeah. why, why being like upper middle class is like the best thing you could do without, you know, like obviously it doesn't get as political as that sounds, but it is just like, I love how it is just like Sandler and his friends just dominating a city dude just like going through kmart and just fucking shit up you know what i mean working out yeah on the things and it's like the cops come i'm friends with the cops we we all do dances together we're actually all perverts together and we all go <laughs> to my daughter's recital just to ogle at the blonde uh ballet instructor and i think you know what's interesting about i didn't notice she was blonde Oh. <laughs> going Peter Dante mode going like oh but I think what I feel like of course there's a lot of people have criticized this movie right and to hear us be like oh this is such a warm movie you know that's like heartfelt and you could feel the friendship which I think is true it's definitely true but I think for a lot of people that's kind of like hard to accept given um the vulgarity of the movie and kind of and like, often mean spiritedness of the humor. Yeah. Even yeah. if it's like warm yeah. in the end, yeah. a lot of the jokes are like pretty crude toward their characters. But that's the thing. It's, it depends on your relationship with cruelty and humor. I know Malcolm's a big fan of light humor, but you can also be a fan <laughs> of cruelty. And yeah. I think it's like, you have to be able to buy into that or not buy into that. And if, 
you fuck around with your friends in a way that can be mean sometimes, you're more likely to be accepting of watching other people do that on screen with each other. You know, it's simple as that. Mm. Yeah. I also love, I love how um, time just does not exist in this movie. Yes. Where these characters are able to do so much throughout <laughs> their day where it's like, how is this still, how are you fitting all this in? <laughs> it's the dream and, of and, and How are you? How, how are you fucking setting up for this party with a band? Yeah, where, they got the Jay Giles band in there. That is of. like fucking. The backyard is literally like a fucking Civil War battlefield. <laughs> like it's huge. Well, that's what I love about these Sandler movies is they're always like so professionally done in terms of like production design and cinematography and stuff. And it's like, it's, you know, they're quote unquote real movies in a way that they weren't once they moved to Netflix and on Netflix, they're a lot shaggier looking, uh, but the heart of them still, you know, wins you over and stuff like the week of or Sandy Wexler. Uh, but in this one, it's like, even the art direction of the fucking Kmart scene with like all the uh, the, the two color scheme thing of uh, when Chris Rock's making fun of Tim Meadows uh, about like the whole interracial dating thing with their kids is so good. It's like, wait, why does this look so good? Uh, even though people will make fun of me for that and just post a still of, you know, Kevin James eating a sandwich with a gray background. It's like, oh yeah, I'm sure this film looks really good to you, but it, it it's does. more that it's more that it creates a real world world as a sandbox in a real artfully designed world as a sandbox for these characters to hang out in the Kmart feels like it's five miles long and a studio instead of a Kmart and it might as well be and that's fine because that's the whole point is that Nick Swardson can feel like he's a mile away <laughs> from the rest of them while he's uh, you know knocked out and yelling at the guy who wakes him up and calling him grandma which hey maybe that's an allusion to grandma's boy <laughs> Uh, but it's just i don't know i from the start you you know what you're in for because the opening joke is adam sandler getting peed on by a deer uh and then that leads to like jokes about like his kid jacking off and stuff and you know it, it, and then the mailman complimenting his wife's tits <laughs> and his wife being played by selma hayek is so good because she essentially gives the same performance that she does in 30 Rock, but comedy snobs would say that she's horrible and disgraceful in this and genius in 30 Rock, you know? Uh, and I love both of these things. 30 mm. Rock and Grown Up Stew are two of my favorite things. Uh, but I, I just love her seeing basically give the same performance in two totally different tonal contexts and how it worked. Also... One thing that kills me, like, just locks me in right away and always gets me is Kevin James's kid not getting math. Seven plus nine. Seventy-nine. Uh, is he a little boy or a computer? <laughs> Don't destroy his confidence. I think someone just, like, very confidently being wrong about something. Like, the, it's hard for me to nail down what's funny, theoretically, but someone being very confidently wrong is almost always funny to me. And that little kid just being like, yeah, seven plus seven, 25, you know, uh, like that shit <laughs> destroys he, yeah, me every time. It's, it's, it's hilarious. And then, and then, and then he's actually a, a, a piano savant by the yeah. end of the movie. It's <laughs> a joke that he's. Oh, wow. My kid's actually smart. I actually kind of like him now. I thought they were kind of dumb <laughs> before, but now that I recognize that they have some talent, you know, I actually kind of like him and i feel like there's a lot a lot of this movie has to is like you know classic suburbanite 
kind of issues that are brought up mm-hmm. dealt with in like the lightest way possible you know oh, oh totally with yeah. the levity but it's like it's still there where it's like kind of like you know what's the helicopter young- parents and the self-confidence and letting the yeah. kids get everything wrong and trophy parents and stuff like or trophy culture or whatever you know or just being of- unsure of like the younger generation in general yeah totally like, i mean it happens yeah. with every generation but yeah. it, it's on a lot of the stuff people were using as talking points in the early 2010s for sure and and it is like yeah it's like it's almost out of like this movie is built out of a sense of fantasy like you look at the first one it's like kind of like them nostalgic about their basketball team it was very like specific and like how we won this basketball game and that's when we were the man you know what i mean it seemed like they were a middle school basketball team and then this one is them just kind of fantasizing about like the debauchery of youth in high school and like man remember when we used to like get girls or whatever and like <laughs> like uh we were like we partied. Juxt- juxtaposed with fucking chris rock finding out that his wife uh, forgot their anniversary, yeah. and the first thing he's thinking about how he's gonna get back at her, he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna drink so much soda." That bitch is uh, <laughs> a non-diet soda. The, the payoff like, that, that is his for. He's like, "I'm gonna have a whole pitcher of the Pepsi pitcher." Is so oh funny my god, to me. that's one of my favorite <laughs> images in this. Is obviously oh, throughout course. all of the Happy Madison Sony films, there's Pepsi. Uh, you know, product placement, but in this one, it's very forward facing. And the shot of Chris Rock uh, double fisting Pepsi cans, pouring them into a pitcher, one of the most ineffective ways to drink soda, probably, <laughs> is one of the funniest things about this movie. They also have lasagna slices the size of your fucking head on their plates in that scene, if you don't notice. It's Sam? really just a fucking joke on how fake all the food and stuff is. And the, like a lot yeah. of the aesthetic of this is kind of. TV commercial aesthetic, but heightened for the sake of making it a movie and not a TV commercial. But it's like generic American suburbia. And that's what the film's about. It's about American suburbia and like, you know, breaking through to that level where you can be comfortable. And the thing is, not all of his friends can, but Adam Sandler's the best guy in the world and he helps out all his friends. It's like <laughs> David Spade, work, what does he work at the ski ball place or something like that? Some shitty job. Yeah, yeah. Go kart. Go kart place. Yeah. yeah. And he has his. Uh, the, I love how cruel this film is to David Spade. He works part time at the go kart place and has a Star Wars van. And his, uh, you know, his sex partners are implied to have just been the uh, the very buff woman he uh, that you know is referred to as beefcakes and the very cartoonishly disgusting pizza delivery lady. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's what kind of what's very funny is like they're always making references about how he's like yeah he's still like uh, when they're at the cliff and like they're looking at the college guys and they're like man this is how we used to do it. And he's like, that's how I still do it, baby. And then they're like, yeah, yeah, you do. And then you see every every woman he's with is like just dog after dog. <laughs> the buff woman, probably the butt of the most cruel jokes of the film. Yeah, for no, sure. no, that's bad. Yeah. Would not fly today. The, the trans stuff is like, yeah, the joke is that she's a, a bodybuilder lady. So they just keep saying that she has a penis and, you know. Well, yeah. That's that's nobody's favorite type of joke, but it, it's part of a thing that exists. You know, it was just how times were ten years ago. You don't it, that didn't get flagged by the studios when you're making a movie. Yeah, I mean, we ago. we could go into the history of, of of Sandler movies and that kind of a joke. Like they're just a part of the old yeah. Happy Madison 
movies. Yeah, it's like it, it's the downfall of traditionalism. Like it, if you're talking about Sandler as like a classical or the Happy Madison films is like kind of neoclassical comedies like they remind you the comedies of the late studio era the 60s like uh will success spoil rock hunter or man's favorite sport or stuff like that is what always uh i feel like these films were based out of with a little bit of the frank capra melodrama as well and yeah obviously the times weren't too progressive back then (laughs) like you can't expect uh that stuff and you know I, I, no more on that. That's all. Hey, uh, but, but 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 at the end of the day, we're all part of the same family. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. a, he gets the redemptive line at the end where he shouts very <laughs> affirmatively, "She's a woman, and she's my woman." And hey, yeah, yeah, what sure. else can you expect from a sandwich? all is forgiven? You know, um, yeah. what do you call it? it you know, it also, is, we have Nick Swardson saying that he ate a banana with his butt, which that is, is very hilarious. Good. Well, Nick Swardson, yeah. he's 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 gay in this movie. He, he tries yeah. to. Well, he his, he's kind of his whole thing was. All always is he or isn't he yeah yeah like the gay robot thing on his sketch show <laughs> or yeah. gay robot was part of his stand-up act and then part of his sketch show and then sandler was like yeah you should also, do that in movies too yeah reno 911 that was probably his yeah. best rendition of a homosexual man um in reno 911 <laughs> he was also okay. the rob schneider replacement which easy market yeah. correction yeah well okay i i have heard a story about why uh, the contract right? is not in this that is not what I heard. Ooh, now th- this this well this could not be true. It very well could not. It be could true, be, but true I want it too. to be true. Yeah. Apparently, after the first movie, Sandler bought every all of his boys an electric car, Damn. and Schneider sent Sandler the bill for the electricity <laughs> for the car. My and God. and Sandler was like, "What the fuck? Why would you do this?" And was like, "All right, you're not in the next movie, bitch." <laughs> Getting swords out of the bullpen. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true, but I want it to be true because it's so petty. It it, it was basically going to be a scale payment for the role, and Schneider was like, "No, I'm worth uh, more than that." And he's like, "No, I'll get uh, fucking swords and then." Uh, you know. So so another example. Yeah, of Schneider either way, being it's Schneider pussy. was yeah. a little you know shysty with it there. You know, which but is- uh, and you know what? I prefer Swordson to Schneider. I I'll be honest. You know, a uh, group hug in the shower is funny. Little and all, Rob you know, Schneider all night long. That's good. But like, what, what was, <laughs> yes, Rob Rob Schneiderwitz. Schneider, <laughs> Schneider's been good in some some Schneider. Oh, I think he, he, he has definitely, the funniest part in uh fucking. What's it called? Uh, Longest Yard. I genuinely think the callback to. Do it all night long with the group sho- group hug in the shower tonight. Like that makes me ha- laugh harder than most things in the longest yard. Yeah, no Schneider, Schneider, and I think his reputation is earned as you know a lot of people's least favorite Happy Madison. Yeah. Although some people would argue Swartz, and I don't even exactly know where I fall on that. But it's um, I don't know. He's been he's been good in movies before, but it is like it, it's Swartz and for um you know uh, Schneider in this one is okay because it's like there's no. There's literally so much stuff going on in this movie. Like, literally, the way that this this movie's structured is like there's like fucking five new characters in like each scene for like yeah. pretty much an hour straight. You know what I mean? So you know, I, the Rob Schneider stuff in Grown Ups One, where uh, he's like kissing old ladies and stuff, that's pretty yeah. funny. But it's it's okay that they went a different direction. And also, wait, I wanted to for product placement because I think you mentioned it with the Pepsi. Mm-hmm. Sandler's the goat product placement guy in movies, absolutely like ever like i was thinking about i still think about the subway from uh, happy gilmore like 
Happy Gilmore makes me want to eat Subway sandwiches. I mean, um, Popeyes is the shiznit is insane. Oh, of course. And yeah. I, I like I, underrated in the original Grown Ups. There's actually a pretty great product placement scene where I forgot what exactly the context is, but they're all like dancing together, and like Kevin James just has a KFC bucket on his head like a lampshade. You know what I mean? And it's it's honestly some next level stuff. So I really, I, honestly, a lot of other people. Like a lot of other people trying to put product placement in their movies, it would be very annoying. But at least, at least Sandler, he makes it funny. You know, maybe for the hardcore anti-capitalists out there, maybe that's not enough. But I don't know. Popeye's chicken is the shiznit. What What do you want me to say? <laughs> You're goddamn right. Kmart, great place to shop. I like that there's an allusion to Kmart like before that scene, and then they go to Kmart. It's like maybe the justification is like, well, he was thinking about Kmart because of that line of dialogue earlier. So then they go to Kmart. <laughs> it's Kmart's like a an I like a mirage of desire. The Kmart yeah. here, it's like a fantasy world where you could you could go sleep there, you could go work out, you could see people from the past. You know what I mean? It's it's a it's truly a place filled of uh, like just unlimited desires. It like, and the in, only song that plays is "Werewolves of London" by Warren Zevon. <laughs> it just indulges in that feeling of being a child and being like, I want to be locked in a department store. Yeah, and just me and all my friends, we just play so much. <laughs> you play too much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I. I really just love like all of that stuff. And then it cuts back to the school before going back to the parking lot, but spatially we'll stay at Kmart. Cause then you introduce Shaq and Peter Dante as the greatest, uh, you know, buddy cop duo you can imagine. And yeah, Malcolm, you're right. It's like every single scene, you're just meeting new characters. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, that is of course where uh, Shaq and Peter Dante do a little dance with them. Also, I want to shout out David Spade's kid. I feel like we didn't talk about how great he was last time. It's like in small spurts, he's really fucking good. He has that part where uh, he's holding up the stick figure drawing of David Spade and it says him next to it. And he says, you're him. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, who could forget the swimming hole scene where, you know, he convinces a couple of the sons of the grownups to go to like this college hangout. And he's just in the inner tube and it's just like cuts him and he's like, summertime. And then it just yeah. cuts away. It's like intentional or not. It's yeah, like- that's, that's one of my favorite moments in the movie. <laughs> summertime. He, he's one of two people who proclaim that it is in fact summer and both of them fucking kill me. Like that one is uh, the two high school kids are at the college hangout party thing and they're like dumping beers out looking like they're taking a piss kind of so that they don't have to drink beer because one of the great lines in this movie is I'm not sure I'm ready for beer yet. (laughs) (laughs) Responsible kid. Yeah, but yeah, then it cuts to Spade's uh, illegitimate son just zoom in on him going, summertime. <laughs> and then the other one is when David Spade is rolling down the hill in the in the uh, tire in a set piece that's like a combo of David Spade stunts with GoPro and flagrant <laughs> CGI. Uh, you have Alan Covert as the hippie teacher watching him roll by and just go, oh yeah, summer is here, man. 
I think just proclaiming that it's summer is like the way people say like we're back on Twitter all the time, which, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of that, but whatever, say what you will. Uh, that's that's really what this film is all. It's it's the essential summer is here. It's summer, feeling. baby. Like, summer is here. School's out. We're wearing out. shorts. I mean, that's why Dazed and Confused has fucking schools out for summer by Alice Cooper five minutes in. Like, that's what the ultimate good time movie is going to be is there's nothing like the emancipation, the almost freedom from prison feeling of being in school for nine months and then getting out to do whatever the fuck you want for three months. And as an adult in this movie, they even acknowledge that the party's over, which is almost like an easy rider, two lane blacktop type like <laughs> reckoning. Uh, but it's not, of course. Uh, but it, it's like, yeah, the, obviously you can't do that anymore, but you have to accept that you guys live this incredible upper middle class life and they can have these crazy parties with high production value at the drop of a hat. And so they accept that they are happy because of that. They have each other and they have their family and, you know, they might uh, have nostalgia for when they were teens and getting fucked up all the time. But what they have now is pretty beautiful, too. Well put. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I I do love all the the summers here. Just asides. It, It does make you feel like, oh, baby. Yeah, I think the the we're back comparison is is very appropriate. Uh, it's also like when you think about it, like I mean, unless you're a teacher, when you're not a kid, like if you're an adult, summer isn't really a real thing. Like the summer break, yeah. it, like it's like oh, it's just hot now. Mm-hmm. But so I'm gonna but be you sweating when mo- I wake up. Nice. But yeah, exactly. But then you watch this movie and like you you do get that feeling of oh yeah, oh baby, it's it's here. Summer's here. We could we could be old. We could be. It feels good. Yeah, like doesn't matter. We're not like hot college guys. Uh, what is it? Is it? Beers on ice, hot ladies. This is how we used to do it. You know, it, it doesn't. It doesn't matter if it's not. You know, quite like that. I mean, yeah. It's it's it, obviously this is a very simple concept for people to comprehend. It's like you know what? Maybe I'm not getting wild like I used to in high school, but I'm still. I got money. I got a house. I got a family. Like things are going well. You know what I mean? And uh, you know that's a for a lot of these movies. You know, American Beauty, right? It's all about the ennui, the like. Uh, you know, damn, I want to have yeah, sex. Shut with a, up. A be happy. Year-old. Yeah, just be happy with your. <laughs> go to Kmart. Pussy. Yeah, go to Kmart. Yeah, like go to fucking I, Kmart. It's like how I talked about <laughs> Fight Club being the ultimate. Like they didn't know how good they had it. Movie like yeah. all of those end of history late 90s early 2000s american movies that are like that yeah they didn't know how good they had it and grown-ups 2 is about acknowledging how good you have it which that's part of why i love it is like i look i can be a bit of a crank uh, a cynic a uh, negative outlook kind of guy uh, they say they say that eddie he's a crab apple uh they say many things about me like that. <laughs> but you know I love a little bit of optimism when it's earned. And I, I, I think that the positivity of this film is almost like a healthy dose of medicine for my uh, Krabappelian uh, outlook on life. <laughs> but well, yeah, even- I just, I, I don't know. I, I think that like all of the extended fight scene stuff is ridiculous. I, you know, all the, uh, the young kids, the college kids who are owning the turf earlier at that lakeside spot, 
uh, they come and try to ruin the party. And so it's just this extended fight scene of all these fucking boomers beating up college kids. And it's very funny that it's just like the generational conflict leads to them just beating up the younger generation because they're wiser and better and have more money than them. <laughs> and again, they acknowledge how much better they have it than everyone else and that rules. And at one point, Shaq throws a guy over a house. I mean, this is why it's a it's a it's a fantasy movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's a it's obviously steeped in reality, but it's kind of like Sandler basically making a like fictional version of himself. Like in this, mm-hmm. you know, in these grown up in the grown up series, he's like a rich guy <laughs> who made it big in Hollywood, yeah. and you know, he's come back to the to reclaim his hometown in a way. It's like, oh, I got to get back to my roots because my kids are too rich. You know what I mean? I got to hang out mm-hmm. with my friends. And I, I don't know, it, it just, uh, it fulfills that promise of kind of like, just uh, being like entitled to, to do anything and go anywhere. You, you, he Sandler truly does own the city, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, mm-hmm. every, you know, a lot of people, a lot of the characters uh, in movies, especially about suburban life, these characters are targets of ire, like the the guy who has everything, who has the hot wife, who is basically the king of the town. Usually there's something in a movie to subvert that and show us like that guy actually isn't happy. But in reality, that guy actually is happy. The guy who's like the king of your suburb. I mean, that's that's kind of like it's, it's a pretty good place to be. And, uh, you know, Sandler acknowledges that. And even like characters like uh, Colin Quinn, who's like the bitter guy from high school, like, damn, I've always seen that guy be cool. You know, that that fucking suck. Even at the end of the movie, he's like, well, this is a pretty good party. I'm having a good time. You know what I mean? So the realist part of this movie, the part that cut the deepest to me was Colin Quinn working at the ice cream place, Sandler getting one of his kids a job there and saying, Oh, it's a great first job for a kid. And then just pans over to Colin Quinn. Who's clearly been working there since he was 16 and managing the place now or whatever. It's just like, Oh boy. Like I, you know, regrettably going back to food service work after saying I was done with it forever for the four, fourth time uh and yeah that's genuinely like a horrifying thought to me is being that age and you know working with 16 year olds and uh the fact that that did cut as deep is probably just more of a me thing than a credit to the movie <laughs> that was the ice but cream I, gag I, was funny yeah, yeah. no the, I, I love well i love the ice cream gag where it looks like he's pooping but even more than that when he's mad at Adam Sandler's son for being able to pick up girls on the job. He throws the ice cream scoop and just hits a woman in the back oh, of the head. Oh, that's so it. good. <laughs> just like so random and cruel and the sound effect for it is like, oh, that's a concussion. That's like brain damage right there. Uh, I also love that the film ends with Adam Sandler finally accepting his wife's pregnancy because uh, Selma Hayek told him she was pregnant in the beginning and he was very, uh, or I guess halfway through and he was like, I don't know about this. You know, we got enough pizza already. Uh, And I love that the end of it is him being very heartfelt, but then flirty enough with her to get a little pregnant sex uh, to, to quote, UGK's classic song, you know, pregnant pussy is the best you can get. Uh, I won't quote the rest of the song because of certain words I'm not allowed to say, but I also love that the the movie ends with a beautiful homage to Goodfellas where they're at Kevin James' mom's house <laughs> having a late night dinner. Yes. With all the boys so good. eating 
pasta or whatever. <laughs> also, yeah, Kevin James being addicted to hanging out with his mom is a very funny subplot of this. <laughs> There's a bunch of just strange conflicts that the movie kind of sets up for itself, you know what I mean? That like like or even like not even strange, kinda of like the Chris Rock stuff with the wife. It's like you know, it could feel like maybe somewhat perfunctory at, at times, but it is just like I don't know. It's kind of just part of the juggling act of keeping all these uh, characters involved, you know. And uh, I, I don't know. It's it's a it's pre- it's like I guess do we like really care about like David Spade and his son reuniting? You know what I mean? It's like not ultimately. No, it's just things for them to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just part of the 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 list of activities, uh, you know. And you know, it's funny you brought up like like David Spade's character kind of being like somewhat like. Uh, self-referential I think maybe aside from like the Chris Rock character just because his career has been maybe a little bit more uh, um, maybe successful or just varied than those other guys but it is like Kevin James is just playing like a B like not B version but like kind of like an offshoot of his King of Queens character like a blue collar guy and then uh, David Spade's playing like a version of himself just like you know a, a horny old guy who you know is still trying to score and then and it's just i don't know a lot of even like the taylor lautner character like everyone's kind of playing parodies of themselves and i don't know this cast is like weirdly loaded with like people who have like two minutes of like screen time but are like kind of like big name actor like isn't like john lovitz basically reprising his little nicky role as the pervert well exactly and that's i (laughs) i forgot that but that was the one i was leading up to john lovitz uh, taking this movie to a very dark place when he kind of uh, <laughs> um, sexually harasses a room full of a uh, uh, yoga. You love it. And, you uh, love it. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and it is like I think that's truth or not. That's how I view John Lovitz in real life. That's like oh yeah, yeah for I sure. That is John Lovitz. Like yeah. that. So. Um, I believe the beginning of Little Nicky, and I believe that scene. <laughs> he also appears later during yeah. the ballet recital where he's up in the rafters. <laughs> um, fellas, yes. Now, do you think I don't? I don't think it would ever happen because because uh, well, one of the kids in the movie is dead now. But like, if there was a Grown Ups three, how do you think it would look? What would your ideal version of a Grown Ups 3 be? Now, this is hard because, uh, you know, obviously the kid's dead. Uh, so you got to address that right away. <laughs> uh, but yeah. maybe you do a maybe you do a flashback one. Maybe you do kind of a Wet Hot American Summer style, like these guys oh, back pre-cool. in the 90s, you know, in, in young makeup or whatever. Uh, like not so grown up yet. You know, grown Maybe ups three, not so much. It's, it's on the cusp of them growing up. Yes. It's like them going into college, perhaps. Yeah. Yes. Well, was, grown was, ups three, growing up. I, I was that, that's not bad. That's not, that. Thank you, Executive Franco, uh, Malcolm. <laughs> no, just like the first one's kind of middle school, second one's high school. So I was definitely like, the third one has to have, do with like college in some way. And then like, I don't know, maybe like. My kids go to going to college. Like, <laughs> grown ups to grad, grad school. <laughs> Kevin James wants to get a library like, science master. Talk about the dialectic. <laughs> I was th- I was thinking maybe they go. Um, it, it, okay, Spain is getting married to a nineteen year old okay. girlfriend, and 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 they go to Vegas mode <laughs> for the bachelor party. Grown ups take Vegas. <laughs> 
I like it. I like it. I like Grown Ups in Vegas. I like Grown Ups in Vegas too. Yeah. Just it's a kind of like a raunchier. You know, because the first two are kind of like quasi-family movies in a way. Although, Grown Ups mm-hmm. 2 does have a lot of vulgar humor that... Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, but it, it, they are kind of like somewhat family, just because they deal with family, but like... No, I thought it was really uncomfortable when I saw it with my mom, like a couple of things. Like, most of it was fine, but the, the scenes where uh, Sandler's kid and Chris Rock's kid are pretending to get drunk so they could feel up college girls, like, <laughs> oh, that made yeah, me, as, as like a 17-year-old <laughs> watching this with my mom, that made me feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> there are some, like, you know, bad vibes in this movie, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, certainly, certainly. Like, a lot of this movie operates, like, I feel like half the scenes will like just leave you on a stinker like on purpose just like like especially the yeah. um the malcolm character like his son like you know obviously maybe the most over the top character with the how'd you like to spend the first night of summer with the hardcore up and cover you know him talking in like a um exaggerated like rap way or whatever and i feel like just the scenes with him and they'll just have him say like uh uh Oh, that's cold or whatever. Like, just, and like, it, it's it's so funny how scene, where just scenes decide to end in this movie because it's like, it's usually like kind of like the worst part of the scene, and I feel like that can leave a bad taste in the mouth. But I kind of like it just because it feels like kind of like um, bad jokes you would tell like around your friends yeah, to get like you a can grown tell out they're they're just starting to use the most worn out material there, and it's like we're moving on. Yeah, it's like it's a uh, because it, it's like. The film has such a lethargic, like, light pace, but I do feel like, I don't know, I'm never like, oh, like, let's let's fucking hurry this up. Like, mm-hmm. even in some of the, I don't know, the bits that don't land well. I mean, also, I feel like it's a healthy mix of, like, by this point, I've endeared myself to them so much that yeah. even the bad jokes are just, they, uh, they're like old friends in my heart. Like, do you ever have an uncle who tells you the same joke every other year, kind of? Like, exactly, he forgets yeah. that he told you it, and it's like, you know the ending, and it's not even a good joke, but it's almost funny that he forgot, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Malcolm, any final thoughts on Grown Ups 2 and a bullet rating as we uh, wrap up the Grown Ups 2 Revisited podcast? Well, yeah, it's funny just seeing that it's like, I've seen this movie so many times at this point. I feel like I've seen it, like, five or six times and like uh you know just rewatching it for the pod it is like i still laugh at it like i still like there's so many jokes in it that you know there's there's stuff you're gonna miss there's stuff you're gonna find funnier maybe than the last time and i think the way this movie's structured where like the first hour is like so inconsequential and kind of just gives you a taste of a bunch of different characters that make up the suburbs uh you know buscemi the driving instructor and you know, the car wash and shit like that. And it's like, you kind of forget like how the movie's structured. Cause how could you, you know what I mean? And like, mm-hmm. and like, you're kind of like, like I, I think of like the watering hole college scene is like a huge set piece. And for some reason, like it feels like a scene that would happen in like the first 15 to 20 minutes of a movie as like, then we kind of see like the kids in that scene grow, but that's not what this movie's like aim is about. It's like, it's about, just being kind of nonsensical and just finding weird, vulgar humor, you know, through, um, you know, the, the suburban environment. And, uh, I don't know. So it's like, it, like, I think that that scene kind of happens like 
almost like 50 minutes in or I don't, I don't know exactly where, but it's just like, dang, like I just, you know, I, it's, it, it kind of, it feels fresh in that way where I, I don't know mm-hmm. the order of the scenes. I remember the scenes, but not the order of them. And yeah. uh, I don't know. It is it's like, like when you're at a party and someone comes in that you forgot that you invited and you're like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> that guy's here. Steve Buscemi's here. Yeah. That's fucking <laughs> sick. Um, I, I forgot I invited Shaq. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And the classic, um, like weird cast that Sandler um, amalgamate and you know, the, the love he has for uh, sports media figures like uh, Dan Patrick getting a couple gags here. Dan Patrick uh, getting the great line, who wants to see me climb a rope? Yeah, getting two hairy ass jokes. Um, and mm-hmm. then uh, Chris <laughs> Berman getting a soap opera thing. It, it is like, I don't know. I love people using that power. I kind of wish people would just be like, what are some things that like, who are some people that I like? Like, let me just put them in my movie for no reason. Like, I always yeah. thought... Um, I always thought it'd be funny to put Zach Bagans from Ghost, uh, Ghost Hunters, Ghost, I forgot, <laughs> Ghost Adventures. I always thought it'd be funny to cast Zach Bagans in a movie. Like, I don't know. That's, that's my example. That's good. Like, I think you could. I think yeah. you have the money that you could. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, he's, he's making bank from his Las Vegas Haunted Museum that I, I visited, uh, last year. So he might, he might be a little bit out of my price range where you could see, uh, um, the bed that Lamar Odom OD'd on. Uh, no joke. <laughs> no joke. That's actually oh one God. of the exhibits. Um, yeah, it's you like to go back to that museum and introduce mm. yourself the way I did with Whit Stillman at the screening and just be like, look, dude, you got to come on the pod. You got to yeah. be in my movie. I, I, I think I, that's that's something that will happen one of these days. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just I love the freedom. There's a sense of freedom in this movie that's. Um, due to Sandler just being so established. And I think what we're talking about, I guess if you're listening to this like right now and you're like, okay, what for like 45 straight minutes of sucking grownups to stick, like, you know, uh, cool stuff, you know, I guess if yeah, like, when's it going to come? Yeah. Like, like, like <laughs> if you have that mindset already, it's like, maybe there's some other Sandler movies you'd watch first to endear yourself to the character of Sandler before watching this one. This is advanced Sandler. Absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. This is this isn't the gateway. This is something. This is Sandler theory. You visit after. This is for the true heads. This ain't your mama's Sandler. This is something you do for either fifty million years or not at all. To quote the master. (laughs) Yeah, there it is. Um, There it is. So yeah, I'll give it. I'll give it four bullets. Rob, thank you very much for coming on the pod again. Uh, what do you think about Grown Ups 2? Any final thoughts? Any thoughts on the uh, future of Adam Sandler and Grown Ups? Uh, any thoughts on your own adulthood and growing up? And uh, I'm just throwing more questions yeah. at you. Uh, any yeah, thoughts sure. about uh, um, what you're doing next week? And also <laughs> uh, bullet rating. What's for dinner? Yeah, what, what's okay, for dinner? Well, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right, let, let's one at a time, people. <laughs> Okay, well, first, thank you for having me. It was an honor to talk about the Sandman, and I'm sorry that my internet was a, a little spotty. Oh, it's okay. Why. And I'm sorry I'm sick as a dog. <laughs> it's living in L.A. You're sick with the woke mind virus. Exactly, exactly. Um, uh, yeah, Four Bullets, it's a beautiful movie. Uh, you know, it, it really is like a warm bath. I, I, I'm currently at, like, a place in my life where... I'm I'm constantly looking back at like my college days and being like I had it so good, like I I wish 
I wish this was still here. So watching these kind of movies, I'm like, okay, there, there's hope. I'll be big and fat and old and going through Kmart with my boys. And that's a beautiful thing, too. I love it. There probably won't be a Grown Ups 3, so that's a bummer. But I, I am hoping to God for a Hubie Halloween 2. Uh, love to Sandman. Love to the whole crew, Kevin James, who's having a moment right now. Uh, it's all it's all good. All love. This is all my family. I also love that it's a costume party at the end, so it's like a tease at the Halloween mindset for Rob, you know? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I, I did think that. I was like, all right, here we go. Well, yeah. Yeah, having a costume party outside of Halloween time is like unheard of, but I feel like people used to do it a lot more. Well, your buddy Rob Franco, his first birthday party as a kid was a Halloween themed birthday party in December. That's beautiful. In December, that's just, yeah. that just makes me want to cry. That's so beautiful. Uh, JT, any final thoughts on Grown Ups Two and a rating? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go four and a half bullets. Uh, Fun, a good time. Obviously, has weird little warts about it that I feel like. Uh, I feel like very rarely am I like evaluating a movie based on like, I don't know, feelings bullshit. Like how does this like movie? I mean, obviously it plays like somewhat extent, like uh, in general with You're art. a cold clinician with a checklist. Exactly. I'm just going through like, I have my Blake Snyder uh, beat sheet open up and I was like, you what? have your thousand rules to expert sick shots on tour guide. Also. Exactly. Exactly. I'm just going by, by the numbers, just evaluating art as uh, just a cold with cold objective math. Um, but I don't know. There, there's just there's a special type of magic in Grown Ups too. Uh, it's so funny and just playful and just yeah, I don't know. I for me in particular, uh, all the Sandler stuff is forever linked to my friendship uh, with the three of you fellas, uh, this podcast. Um, and, uh, I don't know. It, it's, there's such a warm feeling there. Uh, I, I, I love this movie. I love Sandler. I love my boys. I love this movie too. And I think what you were getting at with ratings is really interesting and kind of what I am thinking too, because there's a certain class of movie that defies rating, like the 1517 to Paris, this, a couple other Sandler movies, and a couple of other things that have developed very personal connections with me where if I'm looking at my, you know, decade lists and I'm looking at my star ratings on Letterboxd and I'm looking at the order of everything, you know, like I, I, I don't want to say I'm a clinician because like art is an emotional thing and everyone's objective feelings are triggered by the art. Uh, so, you know, your aesthetic preferences as well as your feelings are going to determine your evaluations. But there's also a thing where it's like, there's a type of movie where if someone sends me a side-by-side -side screenshot of like, oh, you have the 1517 to Paris at five stars, but you have uh, Boogie Nights at four, you know? Uh, it's like, well, it's hard to defend that kind of. You know, I and, and they're obviously attempting different things too. I think that's the, the essential part of it is that different films attempt different things. So those two factors, uh, and the second factor I wanted to get into a little more because I remember Ebert talked about this, 
in his review of like the Avengers, where I think he gave it like a very passive three stars and was like, you know, you got to judge a film for what it's trying to do. And this is just like superhero uh, fanfare and it accomplishes what it wants, even if it's not really my thing. I think the Avengers gets a one on that scale because it's attempting, uh, you know, blockbuster spectacle and it sucks. Uh, this film is attempting nothing. It is attempting to exploit your love of Adam Sandler and his friends, and it does it perfectly. Also, there's just something completely inevaluable about this movie. Like, I I took off my star rating last time I watched it because I was like, I, I, I can't compare this to other movies because it has such a sentimental place in my heart, but also... If art is so much about personal sentiment and your own reading of it, then what does that even say about me as a critic? And it just caused all these crazy things to stir in my head that I was just thinking, I can't believe Grown Ups 2 is making me think about <laughs> all these like deeper things about art and how I feel about certain things. And what is a five? Is a five a perfect movie? No, a five is as high as you can go, but I've seen perfect movies that I've rated at a four or three because it's not aligned with my interests. It, you know, it works perfectly yeah. on its own terms, but it's not what I want to go see. And so that's why for me, Grown Ups 2 is a five. Hell yeah. I have to give it the five and I love Grown Ups 2. And you know what? This episode's coming out. The day it's coming out is my birthday. And to paraphrase a famous song, it's my birthday and I'll five grownups too if I want to. Uh, and, I'll, I'll, and I'll cry at grownups too if I want to. <laughs> That's right, baby. Yeah. Pour yourself a big pitcher of soda for Eddie today. <laughs> Pour yourself the long draft, uh, to quote Marky Smith, because Adam Sandler is the hip priest. Uh, he has made my life so much better and... Uh, I hope that uh, he is appreciated by you, and I hope that we are also appreciated by you on this 251st episode of Extended Clip. Rob was our guest. Rob, is there anything you would like for the people online to know about? Uh, anything you'd like to plug? What? Uh, uh, sorry. I... I um, I accidentally stopped the recording on my end, but uh, oh, all good. no, 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 I'm use good. The zoom uh, on this, yeah. yeah, so it's all good. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know, you probably follow me on Twitter. If not, who cares? Uh, if you are a big money baller, hire me for something, oh, or yeah. cast me in a movie. Hire both me and Eddie. Oh and, yeah, and, and we'll you know we'll fucking fuck shit up. Well, we'll do your, the job. Uh, <laughs> we'll, do the, we'll do the job. We, we will do the job because we are men that do their jobs. We'll um, go above and beyond. Yeah. No, I, my guarantee. I'll put my name on the line for them. Next uh, time we will see you will be on the Patreon feed. So make sure you sign up for $5 a month. You get an extra episode every single week. And we got some good ones coming at you. Uh, one that we're coming up on is Mysteries of Lisbon. Raul Ruiz's like five hour movie. We're doing that one because Laura Jacobus donated at the $15 a month level. And if you do that, you are an executive producer and make the executive decision of what we get to watch. Guess what? 
two other people did that in the last oh, couple wow. of weeks. Oh. So in December, we're going to have an executive decision. And in January, we're going to have an executive decision. I don't have the names pulled up right now. One of them, though, I remember once emailed us about being a former blank check fan or maybe even still a blank check fan and wanting to kind of wage a peace accord uh, because <laughs> he likes both podcasts so much. And I really appreciate how much love is in that young man's heart. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I've always proposed it like a, a boxing charity boxing thing where we could like box two state solution but these days you get yelled at you know <laughs> we could like box each other and raise money for charity it would like be like a huge positive thing and everyone would yeah. like when a way rich you know? devin faraki fought uh joe swanberg yeah exactly but it's even it's it's lighthearted. it's nice it's like yeah. we're just we're having fun we're throwing some fists it's well that was charity cool. too for like every fool's watch enjoyer online yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah it is it's a good clip i mean come on i mean know. come on like joe swanberg does not exactly look like a big guy but he takes it to him it was <laughs> oh god so good anyway uh we'll see you next time on extended clip bye bye